Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. If you would, hear the word of the Lord. This is from Joshua chapter 1. God's word says, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Let's pray together. Lord, we we come embracing your word, reminding us, God, that you are with us. As we have proclaimed in song, God, we know the truth that you are a never-failing father. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And we come, God, in these moments giving you thanks because everything else around us in this world seems to be failing us, seems to be breaking down around us. And so we come to that place and we bring our hearts to that place, the only place where things can be steadfast, things can be true, things can be held too tightly is in you, oh God. So we come today. We gather here, God, so many of us with hearts that are heavy. Hearts that are heavy for people that we love who may be struggling. Hearts that are heavy, God, maybe for ourselves because of what we're facing. Maybe facing illness. Maybe facing bad news. Maybe facing, God, relationship that has faltered maybe facing the passing of someone we loved. And so we come, God, gathering in your name, seeking a touch from you. Lord, I think about right now Tim Williams and his family, Sue's kids, God. They're they're here in your presence seeking a touch from you, a, a blessing, a healing, a comfort. I pray that you would bring it. God, I think of our dear brother, the pastor over at Restoration Church in Hanahan, Adam Spurlock, having recently lost his own dad. Lord, I pray for him and that church as they're gathered right now worshiping. We just pray that you would lift them up, hold them near to your heart, God. And God, we come together to sit and worship you, to stand and worship you, and then to be under your word. So I thank you for my brother Guy, Pastor Guy. I thank you, God, for his heart for you, for his heart for your word to go out, because we know it never returns void as it goes out. And I believe I know his heart, God, that he would pray for himself, that the words of his mouth And the meditation of his heart would be found acceptable in your sight because 
you are his rock and redeemer. So God, I pray that you would hide him behind the cross of Jesus, that Jesus would be magnified as he leads us into your word today. As we come, God, to wait on you for our strength, our hope, and our courage. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people said, amen. Good morning. So as you will, if you just go ahead and start getting to um, Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2, as we kind of just walk through Nehemiah, it's a kind of cool book to walk through as we rebuild here at the river. Um, As I open my Bible, I've got this ribbon in mind, and I told this story a couple weeks ago at our, our, our gathering of deacons. A couple years ago, my friend and elder here, Jimmy Sanders, did a sermon about what's your dash? I think this is what it was, something like that. How about you, what are you doing with your dash? I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, the, the bottom line was he gave everybody one of these, and this represents the life, when we start our life, when you were born, and then the day you die. What are you doing with your dash? So that was for free. I just kind of, that's in my Bible. When I open up my Bible, I see that, and I have great thoughts of Jimmy um, and his life here on earth. Um, so... Miss my friend Jimmy. So I heard a story. It's always bad when you start that way, right? So I heard a story of this, of this pastor. Do we have any hunters? Any people like to hunt? Really? One. Thank you. Um, so I heard a story of a hunter, and he was out. He was, a, he was also a pastor. So one day he decided to play hooky from church. I don't recommend playing hooky from church, so don't do it. But this pastor did. Not a good, not a good uh, role model. He plays hooky, he goes out. Um, he's out hunting. He starts feeling bad, starts feeling guilty, starts feeling the shame of being out there when he should be in the pulpit. So he starts back. As he's coming back, he trips and falls over a log and breaks his leg. At the same time, he's screaming out that there's a bear. And the bear sees him. And the bear starts running for his lunch. So he starts running after this pastor, and the pastor's trying to, he's trying to get going, and he can't really get up because it hurts so much. And so he's praying, God, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, I'll never do it again. He's praying out, crying out loud, and all of a sudden, the last thing he can think about just before the bear stops and eats him was, Lord, make this bear a Christian. The bear stops, falls on his knees, and says, Lord, bless this food I'm about to receive. That doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. That was just to break the ice. This morning, as we read through Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah is waiting. How many people in here like to wait? Go ahead, raise your Nobody? We live in a society that does not like to wait, right? You, so you order something from Amazon or from someplace else, and what do you do? You track the package. You're wondering why it started in California came to North Carolina, back to Texas, over to Arkansas, and you're wondering, where's it, go- where's it going? But we track the package. We are so in need of all this information, we can't stand to wait. How many of y'all been to the DMV lately? That's like a waiting, terrible place. You walk in, and you get like number 20, and you're like, that's not too bad. And they're on one, or they just started over again, and they're on like 85, and I gotta go through 100 and back, and it's terrible. It's just... It's horrible. 
We stand in lines at at the amusement park, right? I don't know why we do that. Then you get the fast pass, and you still have to wait in the fast pass line. Still doesn't make sense to me. We wait, so we wait on babies. So this is a cool thing. My son and his daughter, his, let me go back, my son and our daughter-in-law, not his daughter, that would be awkward. My son and his wife are having our second grandchild. It's a little boy due in February, same time as Danielle and Ty's baby. Ours is a boy, yours is a girl, which is good, which is the way God has made it. But all these things, when you wait, we all know these things have a time frame or an end, right? We know if we go to DMV, we're sooner or later going to leave with whatever we have. We, have a, we know that nine months you're going to have a baby. We know that if you go to the store and you have to wait, you're still going to get what you get. And you're going to move. What, but what happens when you pray for something or when you're waiting on something and you don't know when the end is? We pray for a loved one that's sick. We don't know when. We don't know how they're going to be healed or if they're going to be healed on this side of heaven. But what happens? How do we wait when we don't know when the answer will come? I do know that God's timing is best. So when we wait, we wait for God's timing. We wait on him. We don't get ahead of him. We just go with him and we wait with him. So if you have your Bibles, if you found your way to Nehemiah chapter 2, hopefully you found it by now. Turn them on, open them up, whatever you got. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to read the first eight verses. Nehemiah personally wrote this, so which is kind of cool. I like that the, 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 the writer of the scripture is the person whose name is on the book. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in, the, in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you should send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, and the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors of the providence beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, we are thankful that you put Nehemiah here so we can learn how to wait. How to wait on your timing, Father, because your timing is perfect. So help us. Because you're in the waiting, God. You're there with us. Help us this day. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we see this opening, we notice it says in the month of uh, Nisan, it's, it's been four months where in Nehemiah 1, where Nehemiah's been praying and fasting. He's been doing this for four months. And, and some of y'all are going, I've been praying for something a lot longer than four months. I encourage you to keep on praying. He's praying and fasting for the people back in Jerusalem. So this, this Nehemiah, this, this cupbearer to the king, he wasn't the only cupbearer. There could have been others. It doesn't say he was the only cupbearer to king. They probably had others in the, in the ancient days. You'd have some that would work on and off. So he was one of the cupbearers. But he had a man, he, was a, he has a job, but he had a job for the king, but he had a heart for his people. He'd never been to Jerusalem, probably. I'm pretty sure he had never been, but he had a heart for his people. And you see, as we see this, this prayer happened, he prayed, and then everything happened afterwards. Then, then God moved. Now, we're not saying that he prayed and then God moved because of his prayer. I think they work hand in hand. I think where our prayer starts, God can move. A couple weeks ago, we were in um, Tennessee with our, in our son's church, and there, his pastor did a really good job. He had seven or eight places where Jesus prayed and then God moved. I just want to read two or three of them. They're not going to come up in notes. If you want to write them down, you can. But just kind of the, the pattern of praying and God working, praying and God working. I love that. In Luke 5, 16, it says, but he, Jesus, would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. And then shortly after that, he healed a paralytic man. In Luke 6, 12, it says, in these days, he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And after those prayers, he came down the mountain and he named his 12 apostles. In Luke 9, 28, the Bible says, now about eight days after these things, these sayings, he, Jesus, took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And after, while he was up on the mountain to pray, he, um, they saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus was transfigured in front of them. You see, you see how... They prayed and then God moved. He prayed and God moved. Not like a genie, but prayer and God moved. Moving in, the, in concert with God, if you will. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Familiar verse, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always. Pray without seeing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We get to join God in his work when we pray. We get to join God's work when we pray. Our prayer time that we have in the morning, that we have at night, should spill over into where we live, work, and play. Our prayer time should spill over to we, where we live, work, and play. But not, not only do we pray, but we wait. He waited four months. He waited four months for his to, to get an answer from God. Don't get ahead of God. Don't, I've been ahead of God. I, I, I prayed and I thought, this is what I want to do. And then I just kind of go. And you don't want to be ahead of God. It's not where you want to be. Pray and wait. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Proverbs 20, 22 says, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. One of the men that has, has um, impacted my life is Charles Stanley, as many of you have. He has his 30 life principles, which are great. If you've not downloaded Charles Stanley, 30 life principles, I guarantee you put in 
30 life principles in Charles Stanley will come up on your browser. His number 14th life principle says, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah 64, 4. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Waiting takes faith, does it not? Because when you're waiting, you're not sure when and where or how this prayer is going to be answered. It takes faith, perseverance to wait on the Lord. So we, we wait, we pray, we wait, and we plan. I think that's the reason why we'll get to in a few minutes that, G, that um, Nehemiah has all these great things to ask for because he's been praying for it and God's been giving him this, these thoughts of what he wants to say to the king. When I was reading, I read this um, article, Jay, this gentleman named Jay White, I'm not sure who he is, notes, he says, prayer is where planning starts. Prayer is where planning starts. Proverbs 16 Verses three and nine says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. Pray, wait, plan. So what are you praying for this morning? What's, what is har- what's on your heart? Kind of like it was on Nehemiah's heart. Maybe your marriage. Maybe your job. Maybe you're praying for a different job. Maybe a promotion. Maybe salvation of a family member or a friend, someone you've been witnessing to or talking to. Maybe you're praying for health. How long have you been waiting? Maybe you've been waiting for more than four months, for years. You're going to go, God, when? I said, I don't know. God doesn't know when. Excuse me, God, God doesn't. God does know. God does know when. So continue. Do not stop praying. So as you're praying and waiting and playing, we need to look for the opportunities that God gives us. Look for opportunities. Look for God opportunities. Look at these first three verses of chapter two. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. So he was a cupbearer. He was, he was there. He's just, he's doing his job. He's working, looking for opportunities. He's looking. He's Tasting the wine, giving it to the king. We'll find out later. The queen was there. And then the, the king sees this. In verse 2, he says, And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? Now, it's not good to look sad in front of the king. So you're serving him, this man, his meal that you've tasted, hopefully, unless it's a conspiracy, something's going on, but you're not supposed to be sad in his presence. Back in the Persian Empire, there was, there was uh, times where they have written about where if you were sad or didn't serve quite right, they could either get rid of you or they could kill you. So this is a big deal. This isn't just like, you know, when you, have, when you are at a, at, a, at a place that has maybe high society and they have servants and they're serving, you, you don't even make notice of the servants, and the king there made notice, which, was, which I think is really cool that the king noticed that Nehemiah was sad. I think that's why he had favor with the king. He saw them, but the servants are supposed to be seen and not heard or just kind of there. Nehemiah 
was a servant. Here's just, as I was reading this, I, I, I just wrote this leadership tip for those that are working, those young people here. If you want to lead, you need to serve. You need to learn how to serve. Jesus said, I came to serve, not be served. Before Nehemiah was a governor, he was a cupbearer, he was a servant. He learned, maybe listening to all that was going on, he learned how to serve. He was sad, he was sad, so he goes on in verse three. Sorry, verse two, king says, why are you sad? Um, and the king recognizes, says, this is nothing but sadness of the heart. He said, then I was very much afraid because he knew that the king could have his way, the king could have him killed or at least relieved of duty. And he said, in verse three, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Just going, everything's cool, king, everything's good. Let the king live forever, you're good, I'm, I'm fine. What, then he goes on to explain why. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? He was sad. So if you, you go back to chapter one when Nehemiah's prayer, as he's praying, it says he's, as he's fasting, it affected what he looked like to the king. Praying and fasting and grieving his, his hometown his home lineage, maybe he's never been there, but the town of Jerusalem that he's never been to, but he's sad. Now, when you don't have the physical walls and the gates, you can be attacked. Now, there's no mention how many times that, the, that Jerusalem had been attacked, but it could have been attacked over and over again. It could have been plundered because there's no walls, there's no protection. And Nehemiah prayed for their sins also. If you read back as Joe preached so well last week, But I believe these four months go by as Nehemiah is praying and fasting. He's looking for an opportunity as he serves, as he serves the king. He's looking for that opportunity. What do, what do, you, do you look for opportunities to tell other people about Jesus? Do you look for opportunities to serve those around you at work maybe? Out in the community? Do you look for opportunities? Do you put the, the time in your, in your schedule, that margin that says, you know, I'll leave a few minutes early because I can help somebody or I can stay a little bit late because I need to talk to somebody. Do you have that time? Do you look for the opportunity? A few years ago, I worked for Chick-fil-A and I went to um, Chick-fil-A leadership seminar, whatever it is in Atlanta. And True Kathy was speaking. It was really cool just to hear him speak and how he, un he unfolded Chick-fil-A and how it started and how he got interested in just one store and how he kind of franchised into where it is now. But he said when he was up and coming and things were getting bigger, he would go places and he really, really disliked getting stopped and people had to talk to him. He didn't like being interrupted, if you will, as he's going through airports or at a Chick-fil-A. He just wanted to do his job and grow Chick-fil-A. But then God showed him that each time someone stopped him, that was an opportunity to speak into their life, to be generous to their life, in their life, to do whatever he felt God kind of calling him to do in that life. And I think that's what Nehemiah is doing. Nehemiah is looking for that opportunity. In Colossians 2, sorry, Colossians 4, verses 2 and 4, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful, there's the word, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison 
that, that I may make it clear which is how he ought to speak. So this is Paul. He's specifically talking about how he can use his mouth to declare the gospel at the right time. Have you ever prayed that in the morning? Lord, give me someone to talk to about Jesus. Have you ever done that? Just in your morning time, say, God, can you open a door so I can talk to somebody about who you are? Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So I think Paul was talking about, in Colossians, about speaking, but in Galatians, he's talking about, are you looking for the opportunities to do good? Are you looking for someone to be generous to? Are you looking for someone to take down the street to help them? I, I don't know what your circumstances is, where you live, where you work. I, all I know is God can open doors if you just ask him. And you step through that opportunity and say, how can I help you? In Jesus' name, how can I help you? So we look for opportunities to do good. If you're praying for someone, let's say, for instance, you're praying for someone at work just to be able to share the gospel. Are you praying for opportunity for that person to say, hey, what you doing for lunch? And then go to lunch? Or are you going, yeah, I'm busy today. That's an opportunity. We pray for those opportunities, but then you, we step into those opportunities. When we're looking for opportunities, we need to be ready when they avail themselves. We look to see where God is working and we join him in his work. So we pray, we wait, we plan. We look for opportunities, but number three, be ready to give an answer. Be ready to step into those opportunities. Look at verse four. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? I love the question. The king's like, okay, I've heard your kind of plea up here. What are you asking? And Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Just, I want to unpack that for just a moment. I prayed to the God of heaven. That's a good thing. When you're in a situation, you need to throw up a quick prayer. You need to say a, a quick, hey, God, can you help me give me the words? But that quick prayer is not effective if you don't have the quiet time backing it up. He had four months of, of, of quiet time, four months of praying and fasting. So when this opportunity, when the king said, yeah, what are you asking? He goes, I sent up a quick prayer. I don't know what that prayer was. Maybe we'll get to heaven, we'll find out. Kind of like when Jesus was writing in the, the dirt, when the lady caught in adultery, everybody's like, well, he was saying this. Well, we don't know what he was saying. We don't know what he was writing. Uh, maybe we get to heaven, we'll say, hey, what were you writing? He'll tell us. Maybe we'll say, hey, Nehemiah, what were you, what were you praying? He'll tell us. Maybe he was just saying, you know, this is your time, God. Open the door. But I don't think our quick prayers are effective without our quiet times in the morning and prayer times in the morning. But I also think when we, we need to have both, right? I think if we have a, a, a long prayer time and we don't have little prayers during the day, we're kind of missing the opportunities that God may be giving us. And if we also have these quick prayers in the day saying, God, help me with this, help me with this, we're missing the quiet time, the intimate relationship we get with God. So I need, think we need both. So let our quick prayers come out of our quiet times, our times with the Lord. So as we go on, verse five, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I love this because he, he must have been a good servant for him to even listen. 
right? The king didn't have to, have to listen to him. The king didn't, king could have said, I'm not talking to you. You're a servant. Why am I going to listen to you? That's why I see God's hand over all this whole thing. I see the providence of God. I see God in charge of everything because the king recognized. And he says this, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, just be a good employee, be a good person so that when someone asks you about what you believe and where your hope is, then you can speak into it. So if it pleases the king, and if, if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. First of all, I thought he was a cupbearer, right? But now he wants to go rebuild a whole city. Think of that task. I love it because this is in his heart, and he's not going, he's not going God, you know, I know he put this in my heart, but, but I'm a cupbearer. That's what I do. I can't rebuild a whole city. I can't do that, God. God put it in his heart to do, and he did it, and he's going to do it, and he just calls on the name of the Lord and talks to the king. So we need to be ready for an answer. We need to be ready to say what the Lord has put on your heart. But he had plans. I love this. So these four, four months that he's praying, he's also, I know he's making plans. Because here are the plans. He starts talking about these plans right away. Send me so I can, so I can, um, I can rebuild. And the king said to me, with the queen sitting beside him. Well, so I always wonder, when you see something like that, mine's in parenthesis. I'm not sure what it is in your Bible, but I'm just wondering, why is the queen there? Because back in that days, the king, the, the king mattered. The queen usually sometimes mattered. I mean, Queen Esther mattered, don't get me wrong. But sometimes the, the king the queen mattered, but I think this may, this, when I'm reading, I'm thinking this may have been a smaller, more private, intimate setting, maybe just the king, the queen, maybe a couple of people, maybe not. And then Jer, uh, Nehemiah is like, this is an open door. It's just those two. And I know they like me because he's, he's talking to me. So now I got to lay out this incredible plan that God has put on my heart. He says, how long, verse six, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So please the king to send me when I've given him a time. Now in, in the fifth, fifth uh, chapter, verse 14, it says he was governor for uh, 20 years. And I don't think he told the king, I'll be back in 20 years. I, I don't know. I just know that he was, he was governor for 20 years, but he said, I, I gave him a time, whatever time that was, it pleased the king, which is always a good thing. In verse seven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass until I come to Judah. So he's asking for a safe passage. He's asking for very, I love this, this prayer of, of Nehemiah because it's so, so practical. He just, he's asking for leave of absence. He's asking for a passage. And we'll get into this minute, verse eight, he's asking for supplies and provisions. I love, he's just so practical. When was the last time you prayed to God just for practical matters. God, I got $500 in my bank account. I need more money. I need something. I need more food. I need to be healthy. I need you to help me with this. God wants you to talk to him on our everyday things. He wants us just to be practical. So he wants safe passage across 
beyond the river, it says. So they don't, so the providences and the people over there don't look at him and say, hey, what, who are you? You're nobody. He goes, well, I'm a cupbearer to the king. And they said, prove it. He's got a letter. Now he's got a letter from the king. And the king of those other provinces, those governors of other provinces, will let him pass. Look what also, also he asked for in verse 8. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress and of the temple, and for the wall of the city and for the house that I will occupy. So he's talking about, he says, I need time off, I need safe passage, and I need provisions, not only for the walls and the gate, but I need a house too. See the practicalness? I need a house too, God. I need a house. I don't know if I've said this before in here, but um, years ago when I was in Southeastern, one of our cars was slowly dying, and we needed a new car. So Linda and I decided to pray for a car. Well, I prayed for, I prayed for a car. I prayed for a vehicle. And Linda goes, hey, what are you praying for? I said, I'm praying for a car. I said, what are you praying for? She goes, well, I'm being more specific than that. I'm praying for a minivan. Guess what we got? A minivan. My wife's, pretty good. My wife's a good prayer. By the way, the minivan was free, by the way. We'll, I'll tell that story some other time. But God loves to step into our lives and be practical. And we'll talk about why in just a minute. But when we ask, when we look for opportunities, we need to be ready. So if you're, let's say you're praying for a, a, new, a promotion to job at work. And the, your supervisor, the owner, whatever comes up to you and says, so, 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 and so, why, why do you think you should be promoted? I'm thinking about promoting somebody. And you don't have an answer, you're probably not getting promoted. What if a friend of yours who you've been praying for to share the gospel with says, you know, I know you've talked about this before and I know you go to church, so tell me about why do you go to church? And you say, well, can I get back to you? No, you need to have an answer right then. You need to have that answer ready. If you're praying for somebody, you need to be ready to say what God wants you to say at the moment that God gives you opportunity. In 1 Peter 3.15 it says, always, be prepared, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I, I love when uh, Peter says, with gentleness and respect. So if you're burning bridges at work and you're not a good person to work for or you're not a good employee, you think they're going to listen to you? Oh, you're the one that always talks about Jesus but doesn't do your work. You see, I've had people like that. They go, all they do is talk about Jesus, but they're not a very good employee. They back talk all sorts of people, they gossip, and then they want to tell me about Jesus. We need to be good citizens, if you will, good people. So people, that doesn't mean we don't stand up for what we believe. That doesn't, that's not what I'm saying. But there's a way you can stand up for what you believe and be gentle in spirit. But, but do what God wants you to so are you, are you ready? Are you, are you ready to step through and give an answer? But I think, the, 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 to me, the thing that kind of pulls us all together is, number four, give God all the glory he deserves. I, I think as you end of verse eight, um, and the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of God was upon me. I, I believe God knew that 
Nehemiah was going to give all the credit to God for his good hand on it. I think he knew that, so he answered all these prayers. I, that's just me, though. I, I don't know. Where, it doesn't say that in the Bible. I just think that God knows if, he's going to give, if, he, if you're going to give him the credit, I think he's more apt to um, help you with your prayers because you don't get the credit. So I did a, I did a little um, a search for the word glory in the ESV. In the ESV, there's 359 times where the word glory is used. So we're going to take a little bit of time to just go through all of them. Huh. No, we're not going through all of them. We'd be here for a while. I just want to go through a few just because I think the glory of God, God getting the glory, God be glorified in what we do, I think is so huge. Psalm 57, 5 and 11 says, Be exalted, O God, above all the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Psalm 96, 3. Declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Oh, Psalm 108, 5. Let your glory be above over all the earth. Psalm 113, 4. The Lord is high above all nations and the glory above the nations. Well, that's well and good because God, God is there and God is glory, but how does that affect us? How we act, how we are, how we show ourselves to other reflects on God's glory. Reflects on God's glory. Look at Matthew chapter five. And we used this before when we baptized um, Salt and light, but let me just read it for you. For in Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. These are Jesus' words. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Here's the key in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Your light shine out there where you live, work, and play so that they may see your good works, see what we do, see how we act, and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So when we do good, when we act well, when we do what we're supposed to do, when we live by God's standards, we don't get the glory. It shines through us to God. I don't want the glory. I want God to get the glory because that's where it belongs. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So how, what have you been praying for? What are you waiting for God's time? What are, you, what are you waiting for that if God doesn't do it, it doesn't happen? What Nehemiah prayed for, what happened in Nehemiah's life, could not have happened without the providence of God. This doesn't happen in Nehemiah if God's not in it. So what are you praying for that if God's not in it, it's not going to happen? Are you praying for, again, your marriage, your loved ones? Are you praying for some healing? Are you praying for an act of God and in, in to move in your life? Because that's where it's going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen if we just go forward in our own strength and do it. It's not going to work. But as we go through this, as we go as we wait for the Lord to work, as we make our plans, as we look for those opportunities, I believe God gives us strength. 
Jean read, read, read this earlier, so I'm going to read again, though, Isaiah 40, 30, and 31. It says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on, with wings like eagles. They shall run, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You see that? It says, if you wait on the Lord, verse 31, they'll renew their strength, mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. If you're waiting on God, you'll have the strength to wait for what you've been praying for. See, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The, the Greek word is parakletos, the one who walks beside you, our helper, our comforter. That's who lives inside of you. He's our strength. So as we wait, he, the Holy Spirit, gives us strength to wait. So what are you waiting for? Today? What are you waiting for for God's time? What, what are you doing or want to do or God has put in your heart that maybe you need to act upon that if God doesn't do it, it's not gonna happen. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome in this place. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you for how you worked in Nehemiah's life. Lord, because I know that if you worked in Nehemiah's life like that, you can work in our lives. Lord, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit, you convict us of where we need to wait and how we need to wait and help us to wait. Just like Nehemiah, as we, he waited, he planned, and then he stepped through the door when you gave him opportunity. Help us this day. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for your strength. Help it to renew us and give us strength and courage. It's in your name we pray, amen.